Yo, what's up, bro? I go by the name of Jabari, and this is not a Words with Friends podcast. As you can tell, it is not Monday, um, but I just wanted to say thank you guys for just showing me love, man, and, and really supporting this podcast, listening, um, and just all the all the support on iTunes, all the support on SoundCloud, and especially the support on Patreon, everybody that donated and uh, has given a tip to keep the podcast going. I really appreciate it. So I just want to give a quick shout out, Juwan, Garrett, Creston, Melvin, Jonathan, Andrew, OPO, and Jeremy. Thank you guys all so much for uh, giving a tip to the Words with Friends podcast. But so what I want to do now is share. Uh, I was on a recent podcast. Uh, D Respect has a uh, has a pretty cool podcast called The Interrogation Room, and I was lucky enough to be on there and talk a little bit about my journey and you know how I got started in the entertainment industry and really talk about you know at length. Uh, the process of of how I've gotten to where I'm at right now and some of the things that I have going on in the future. So, you know, a little bit more info on my upcoming film and just just a lot of things, man. So I thought it would be cool to share it uh, on my podcast, but technically not on my podcast, but just to the audience of my podcast, I guess. Um, So, yeah, so without further ado, here it is. Uh, Check out me on The Respects Interrogation Room podcast, and then definitely go check out The Interrogation Room podcast and um, some other other stuff that The Respect has going on. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, All right, so thank you guys again. Keep supporting Words with Friends every Monday. And you can support with a tip at patreon.com slash Jabari. All right. I'll see you guys very, very soon on Monday. But for now, here it is. If you're on this channel, most likely you're a fan of hip hop. And just in case you couldn't tell, I'm a fan of hip hop as well. But if you enjoy the world of cinema, you're in for a treat. My next guest is a hip-hop journalist who has interviewed the likes of Nicki Minaj, Justin Bieber, Big Sean, 50 Cent, Tech 9 the list goes on. He's also a filmmaker with many documentaries online with Macklemore, Hoodie Allen, Deshaun Raw. You can also catch him every Monday on the Words With Friend podcast. I'm pleased to have Jabari Johnson in the interrogation room. How are you, sir? What's up? What's up? Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's always good to be on another podcast, especially because I'm new in the podcast world. I'm new in the game. I'm a young buck. New in the podcast? So how uh, how long exactly have you been doing these podcasts? Um, man, we're, we're, we're creeping up on two months right now. Um, two months? Yeah, two months. I mean, when I first started doing it, I was very afraid to uh, even commit to doing something weekly. You know what I mean? Like, just having different guests. And a lot, a lot of the stuff that I do, obviously, my podcast is called Words with Friends. So I... I, it's a lot of people that I'm sort of close with and I have a relationship with that are featured on the podcast. But at the same time, it's like, you know, people are busy and they have sort of hectic schedules. My right. schedule is hectic in itself. So it's like I, I was kind of afraid to commit to saying every week I'm going to do it. But at the same time, I know that anything that you're trying to do, like when you when you do it consistently, it's like that's how you build something, you know what I mean? And, and it was something that I wanted to not just half-ass, but really just, uh, really just come correct and like give my audience something that I think they could really appreciate. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely hard when you're trying to manage several things at once, and people just have to be very patient with you. Uh, say if you're not able to, you know, to turn over that product every single week, yeah. but. Uh, 
you know, people just have to be understanding with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think they will. You know, I haven't had an off week yet, but I already have some sort of like little tricks and ideas that I have. Like just in case mm-hmm. I can't do it, I have other things to sort of supplement me having somebody else on, you know, some stuff where I'll just be like solo and drop some some type of knowledge, I, I, I would hope, on it. So, Right. So you are originally from where, sir? Man, I'm from all over New York. I'm honestly not really from one place, dude. Um, I sort of grew up all over New York from like I lived in I lived in Yonkers for a little bit and then I lived all the way upstate in Wyo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Wyo. And I lived mm-hmm. upstate in uh Ithaca, New York. I mean, all of my family is from like the Bronx and Harlem. But so I was always in the city growing up. But uh, then I went to high school in Columbus, Ohio. And then after that, I went to college in uh, Washington, D.C. I went to Howard. And then after after that, I moved to Brooklyn. I lived in Bed-Stuy for three years. And uh, then I moved uh, out to California. Currently in L.A. Yep, currently in Women, L.A. Women, weed, and weather. Yeah, and I'm 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 cool here. I mean, I travel so much, man. I I really live like a bi-coastal lifestyle. So I am, but in terms of like home base and where I like to rest my head, I mean, I could call wherever my home. But I, I really enjoy Los Angeles. So I mean, what does that do to a hip? I mean, I can only speak from my perspective as a hip hop fan, and being the fact that I've been, you know, I've been in New York City all my life. Mm-hmm. What does that do when you're traveling from city to city, and you're, you, you know, you're living in different places? How does what does that make of your your what you what you get into as far as hip hop music? Well, man, I mean, I think that that is like that's kind of. A lot of my upbringing is like how I'm, how I've done the things that I've done. You know, like I always say, I was built for the jobs that I have right now. You know, like for instance, my family, like my older cousin, he was a part of this record label uh, in in Harlem called Vacant Lot. And Vacant Lot, very familiar with them. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so, you know, my cousin Gene used to work with. Um, uh, what's that dude's Dame name, Greece. man? Dame Grease. Um, yeah, and uh, and so that was like, I, he was like a member of my family, and I saw him like, you know, giving me CDs to like pass out when I would go back to Ohio, and I would just be putting people up on this sort of new music. And then while I was in Ohio, uh, in in high school, Cameron had like got his mother in a, an apartment or a house out there, and he kind of had like his whole team out there and he would he he actually ended up having a condo down the street from where I uh, grew up in the neighborhood that I that I lived in and so we would see like his pink Range Rover like at the Walmart parking lot no lie and um and then you know I I would I would like run up on him at um at Bass and mind you at this time like Cameron's like the hottest rapper in on the planet at this time this is like 2000 it's like 2000 Seven two thousand eight. I remember it was unfortunate, but I remember. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and so you know, I would be like, hey, like you know, do you know my cousin? Like my cousin was like really in the streets in in Harlem, and he was like, yeah, that's right. And he was just like looking at me like a little sixteen year old kid, like seeing him at these and one basketball games when they would come and travel all over the country, and. I would just be like super bold and go up to him and and see him, and then eventually, um, when I went to Howard. This was actually like before 
he uh, had gotten shot in D.C. at um, at Howard Homecoming. I, I saw him at a McDonald's, like, lay like, like hours before he actually had gotten shot. And I was like, yo, man, do you remember me? I, I came out here. I came to Howard, and I wanted to be, like, in the music industry and blah, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, man, you've been hustling since you were, like, a kid. Now you're out here, blah, blah, blah. And long story short, man, I say that story because it's like I lived in all these places, but, like, the base was New York, and... The, the I was always just like into hip hop from New York, but like going to all these different places and living and, and growing up in all these places and traveling made me see like you know all the did, people. Did that you pick were up the Bone and, Thugs? Yeah, for bump. sure, for okay. sure, for sure, man. Like I mean, Bow Wow. I used to, Bow Wow. I mean, I wasn't really a fan, um, but he was the man. He was the man. You know, he lived in in. Uh, he was actually from like a little town called Gahanna, which is like outside of. Um, I, that's, that was the rumor, at least. Like he wasn't really from Columbus. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, you know, like all these all these guys, like you know, I mean, even like you gotta understand at that time, man. When you're living in the Midwest, it's like when a dude comes out of the Midwest and really pops, like Ray Cash, man. Ray Cash was huge. He was from Cleveland, and um, like it was crazy how how big like those type of artists were in in Middle America. You know, Mike Jones. Um, mm-hmm. Just everybody that was in, like, Squad Up, Lil Wayne's crew, you know, uh, it was just, like, just getting hip to all that other music, you know, was, like, really dope about about growing up in, in other places and other regions, you know. Yeah, that makes you a lot a, a lot more uh, better for the situation when you get to dip into to different area codes. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Absolutely. So, so at what point did... Did the film interest meet up with the hip hop? Oh yeah. So um, when I was at Howard, uh, I started interviewing artists when I was like eighteen, nineteen. Uh, when they would come to my campus, I was just like, "Hey, you know, would you like to do an interview?" I was working at this website, hiphopgame.com, at the time, and you know, I was uh, I had just told Hip Hop Game that all these artists came to Howard and I would like, if I was able to say I worked at hiphopgame.com, I can guarantee you they'll let me interview them. And that's exactly what happened. And first it was, you know, like all the local DC talent. It was Wale, it was Tabby Benet, um, people, people like that. And then it sort of grew. And, uh, and then I started interviewing people like Russell Simmons, people like Fabulous. And I was doing this stuff. We, you know, we we're talking about consistency earlier. I was doing this stuff pretty consistently. And at the time, digital video especially digital hip-hop videos weren't like a thing it was just like there was nobody really putting out interviews like like on a consistent basis like right. i was doing i mean there was shout out to my man carl cherry he was doing it at uh com, and then there was my other friend uh nigel nigel d who had just started real talk ny dot blog spot or whatever at the time and uh and there was a few of us but you know it wasn't that many people, and so I was like, "Oh, let me try to, let me try to do something that I feel like a lot of people aren't doing." But also, I think this is where entertainment is going, and so, Absolutely. you know, once once that started happening, then it, then it, then like you know, by the time oh eight oh nine hit, it was just kind of flooded, and everybody was doing interviews, and everybody had a web sort of show, and I was just like, "Let me let me take this a step further and try to do like." Uh, more of like a day in the life, uh, hang out with the artist for more than just 30 minutes and really get some, some, you know, documentary style footage. And, uh, when I did that, at the same time I was doing that, I was, uh, right out of college, I started working at Capitol Records. 
and I was doing all the digital video at the label and they saw the, the stuff that I had put on my YouTube channel and all the interviews that I had done. And uh, luckily I was interviewing people like, you know, Nikki and Bieber before they were big. So people kind of knew I had a knack for what was next. And um, and after after I was working at the label and after I was doing my own thing, I was just like, you know, I'm I'm really feeling this like documentary sort of style of work because I get to. I get to tell a story and sort of mold the story and ne- how I never want had to. N- never had any interest in uh just a a format just of a a film as in a just a work of fiction. Oh, like just narrative film? I mean, not really, man. You know, like all like I said, I was I was kind of built for the lane that I'm in now because it was just a progression, right? So it's like interviews to documentaries. It's like interview like a documentary is just a long ass interview really <laughs> you know it's just like you're interviewing somebody for months you know or for weeks or for however long you know so yeah it, i i didn't really have um and i and i still don't really i don't really uh i mean there's a few ideas i have on some narrative film stuff but i'm just like i haven't even scratched the surface man with like the doc world and the doc game i'm working on my next film right now but like yeah i have a lot more groundwork to put in on on this level and stuff to learn and, and to get better. Um, so it's like before before I even go into the fiction world, I, I want to do a lot more things in this realm. With the documentaries, um, you have these, you know, four to five second uh, monologues that you do at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you, you just basically ju- just sound off just few words like, you know, like dedication, sacrifice. Now, they're different for each and every one of the Jabari presents. Now, I just want to know, are those things mentioned because that's that's sort of what you wanted to underscore with the filming of this documentary? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with with me, man, I think I've basically been doing the same thing for quite some time. And it's just like all in different forms, right? Or different iterations of like the big picture goal of what I have. And that's essentially like to create art that that has a purpose and like adds value to people's lives. And like it is kind of corny, but like makes the world a better place. Like, you know, it's like at the end of the day, I'm trying to challenge the status quo in terms of like what people think of as entertainment you know what I mean like that's what that's what a lot of my work represents and you know a lot of people will call it inspirational and like hopeful stuff like that I mean I I guess you could call it that I mean I, I would definitely call it that but I think that that's sort of like the underlying theme of uh of the 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 things that I create it's like you know I just want people to understand that the things that they want in life are very possible, but there's also a crazy amount of work that you have to do to, you know, to access these things and to, uh, to, to sort of like live the life that you are envisioning as, as whatever is fit for you. You know, I just don't think everybody should be like, you know, doing things that they are not passionate about. And so these are, these are sort of the, the themes and subjects that, you know, always come across in my work usually. The, that word work that's something that you, you usually don't hear when people talk about inspiration because you know what screws a lot of that up is you know things like the secret you know when they say like oh you know if you can visualize it then it's done yeah but there's also some work that has to be done as well it's not just in your head you yeah. ha- you have to put some action uh to play here in order to get that done 
So, so I think that that clouds people's judgment uh, a lot when it comes to to shooting for goals and to and to taking care of things. Yeah, man, you, you you hit it on the head, man. I mean, the work the work is the part that people don't see. You know what I mean? Like people, everybody wants to be an entertainer. Everybody wants to be a singer, an actress, a filmmaker, or you know all of these things. And and you know the craziest thing is people will ask you like. How did you, you know, how did you do it, right? To like somebody who's really successful in the arts, especially, or in anything, right? Just success. People will say, how did you do it? And I think that it's such a, it's such a broad question. And, and that, that answer that that successful person is going to give you is so different than like somebody else who's successful. And like everybody, it's everybody it's else. Subjective. Yeah, it's subjective. And everybody has their own story and their own way to get there. But the one constant is like, believing in yourself and, and believing that you could do whatever you want to do but also it's like you know the 10,000 hours man the blood sweat and tears you got to put Malcolm into Gladwell yeah, yeah man the, mm-hmm. the 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 top ramen that you have to eat or like the you know the 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 five friends couches you had to sleep on because you're saving money for you know camera equipment or you're saving money for whatever it's just like mm-hmm. these are the things that everybody experiences but that we experience them in different ways you know what i mean like and and that's the that's the part of like how'd you make it that uh that oftentimes is not is not shown that was that's definitely what i got from the macklemore piece yeah uh they you know especially the part when you you went to the back with ryan lewis with you know with the t-shirts and everything and and macklemore with the u-haul truck and it's like, yeah, sure, everyone sees the award for best rap album. They, they see Same Love, but they don't see what's, you know, what led up to that point. And it's like you said, it all just goes back into passion. But it's just, you know, pe- people, they're aware of your glory, but they just don't know anything about your story. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the, so, so w- with the documentaries and, um, and also with the podcasting, what, what would you feel right now is at the forefront of Jabari's creative uh, enthusiasm? Well, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's so much, man. I mean, there's, there's, um, I mean, my, my next film, I can't really speak on it too much, but it's, uh, this is my first sort of like foray off YouTube. You know what I mean? So it's, this film is going to have like a traditional release. Um, you know, it's going to, it's, I've been working on it for the past six months and, and it's, uh, so give me some background here. What is this? So okay, so it's 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 I, what I can say is it's a documentary. It's a feature length documentary, and it sort of is about. Um, it's like a look at celebrity culture and contemporary culture, and that's that sort of like a really broad scope. Um, but that's all I can I could really say that's about you can it say right now. now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, but it's gonna be a big film, man. Definitely, and it's uh, it's it's. It's something that a lot of people can relate to, um, and it's not just on like one artist. It's more on like a topic and a subject, um, and, and sort of like what I think about that. And uh, and yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. And so that that has been taking up a lot of my time. Unfortunately, I mean not really unfortunately, but it's just one of those things that people haven't been able to see that. You know what I mean? Like because we're in the development stage and in the research stage right now. Um, and we'll start like principal photography, ideally, uh, you know, end of the summer, uh, early fall. But, um, but yeah, so it, it'll take a, a while to get this thing 
done and complete because it's such a big a big project but um that is really what's been taking up a lot of my time but outside of that the things that people sort of like can see are the podcast obviously all of my work is from this point on has been on youtube so like a lot of people can just go there and sort of catch the old stuff i don't really have new stuff coming out on youtube because i'm working on my next film but um but yeah, so that, uh, and as well, I, I throw a pretty big party, man. Uh, and it's kind of like another just extension of my sort of creative pursuits. Um, it's called Colors. Uh, <laughs> I used to throw a party called Surprise Party, which essentially is just, and uh, it, this sort of morphed into um, this bi-coastal monthly party that I do in New York and L.A. And really it's just like a place for young sort of creatives, entrepreneurs, people who just want to party and have a good time without like judgment and any type of pretentious vibes. There's no VIP in my party. Um, and yeah, man. And it's like, I have a lot of cool stuff coming with that. There's like merchandise coming with it. Um, I'm working on a really cool hat, uh, and some other stuff. So yeah, yeah. Those, those are between that, the podcast, um, the film, and uh, I have a digital media company called Volume Visual, where we sort of, uh, it started out as a multi-channel network, um, a YouTube sort of company, but we sort of morphed it into like a, a, a digital production agency. So we sort of help artists, uh, we pair artists with brands and, and, and we sort of help raise the sort of digital awareness of, of artists. And our two biggest clients right now are uh, DJ Who Kid as well as uh, Chanel West Coast, who's on Young Money. Mm. Well, you're a man, you, you wear many hats. Yeah, definitely. That, that was like a breath. I'm kind of tired after <laughs> after spewing <laughs> all that. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Now, d- does it become, I mean, since you're, you're an independent guy and, you know, you're pretty much just a self-made guy, is it, it, does it get harder? Have you managed to to juggle personal life and creative life? Is it uh, is it an odd dichotomy that you have going on, or do you manage it well? Um, I think that I've now just been able to figure out how to manage it. But uh, but yeah, man. I mean, like in the past, you know, things like relationship issues, or you know, like friendship or family issues. Like I don't, they, you know, people will say I don't see them enough, and you know, I'd be like, well, you don't get it. I'm not. Like, I'm not just working like, yeah, I'm working, I'm doing all this stuff. But like, I've now found a balance in, in a lot of this stuff. And like, you know, understanding that people in your life really do care about you. And it, even if it seems like they don't understand because like, you can't give them this time right here, you have to like step back and realize that, you know, people want to see you and people want to hang out with you and people want to be in your presence. And that in itself, man, is like, I'm, I'm extremely grateful and blessed to even like be in that type of position where people you know are upset when they don't see me or you know it's a good thing yeah yeah exactly so I used to think of that stuff as like oh you guys don't understand and why are you giving me this like you know this like guilt trip on this that and the third but like now I just try to in my in my in my best abilities I try to like you know 
give people time and like step away from the work, man. Because if you're just always doing this stuff, you will go insane and like burn yourself out. So I definitely have to take a step back sometimes and just like, you know, hang out with my family or just talk to my friends about normal life stuff and like hear about, you know, another thing is like not being so self-absorbed. I used to be very self-absorbed and like, this is what's going on. Anything that's going on is like, what's in my world. And now it's like, it was I'm, basically like every Kanye West interview. That's yeah, like, yeah like you know, it's like now it's like, man, this, you know, the world is so Jabari big. Jabari going to do what Jabari yeah, going to yeah. do. <laughs> you know, and now it's like, it's not that at all, man. It's like I, I spend a lot of time helping my friends out on their projects and like, mm-hmm. you know, just like talking to people about what they have going on and just having a genuine interest in, in others. And not to say that I'd never had that, but I'm, I was just so tunnel vision on my stuff. And like now, you know. It's, everything is a balance, man. You've got to have a balance. Absolutely. So one could say that that's where the words with friends, that's what really birthed it. It's you finding time, but still, you know, flipping it into something entertaining. Exactly, man. Exactly. It's like words with friends, man. The podcast is really just it's it's like. Dude, when I started it, I, I thought, like, really it, it birthed out of me having all these conversations with my friends and people that were sort of in the creative industries as well. And the stuff that we were talking about, I was just like, man, well, other people need to hear this. I was like, you know, you, you have a conversation with somebody and you're like, you know, you're you're getting all this knowledge and you're, you know, so much stuff is 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 happening in a great conversation with somebody, but you're like, man, it sucks that, like, other people couldn't hear this or be in this moment. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, the Words of Friends podcast was, like, a, a sort of I, if, a, a gift to the public, if you will. Just like, okay, this is some of the knowledge that I'm soaking up with some people that I'm cool with. Here, it's now available for you all, you know? And, like, this is stuff that you're not taught in college or, you know, and it's very casual, right? So, like, we might talk about some, like, bullshit or we might talk about some, like, really thought-provoking, interesting stuff that you would like to hear. I would say it's like 80% that and 20% just like catching up with somebody, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that it, it was really, it was really birthed out of like wanting to help. But what I've realized though, is like from doing it and people, you know, I've gotten nothing but like great reviews and great feedback from, from the small audience that we have right now. But it's like, what is amazing to me is that how much I get from it. You know what I mean? Like, it's really a magical thing, this podcast thing, man. And shout out to my best friend, Victoria. She was really into podcasts and she was like, you know, you should, you should have a podcast. But, and I didn't really know what to do a podcast on. But then when I started listening to others and having the conversations that I was having, it just sort of came about, man. But it's really a, it's a sort of thing where, you know, I get so much value in, having to force myself to be with like other creative individuals once a week. You know what I mean? Like so much stuff comes from that. Just that helps me in my general career. It's, it's amazing. Is the, the fact that you live in LA, do do you have, I mean, is it, is living in LA sort of the way most of us envision it? Like, you know, everybody, everything's very fast paced. You run into, you know, 90%, douchebags it, it in contrast to new york city which is also you know very fast city, mm-hmm. 
What are the differences? There? Well, so, I mean, the biggest difference with L.A. for me was just, like, the quality of living, right? So, like, New York, I'm very used to the hard hustle and bustle life, right? Like, you, Ooh, go to, yeah. you go to the grocery store and you're on the train and you're thinking, like, well, do I really buy this juice right now because it's going to weigh down my bags? And, you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, I have to deal with this person, like, spinning on the, on the, on the handrail. And, like, he's almost going to kick me. Even though he's good, it's like, you know, I got to deal with this. Or I got to deal with this guy, like, giving me a CD and rapping. And all of that stuff is stuff that I love. And it's, like, it builds character. And it is, like, it is New York. But at the same time, it's, like, the... It's like it's hard, you know what I mean? Like it's a hard place to live, right? And like that hard could be for the better or for the worse. But uh so with the flip side of LA is like, man, you're in a place where and then I mean don't even get me started with the weather, right? Like and mm-hmm. like the the how many blizzards that we have in New York. It's getting better now, yeah. it's getting better now. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, it's like you know, you come to a place we're here in LA where it's like A, it's less expensive, B the sun is always shining. You know, and then see, it's like, it is a place where sort of, you know, there's so many people here that are creative and that are like doing things and like entrepreneurs and all of that stuff. So it's like, I, I always say, man, right now, it's, it's, it, it depends on who you sort of surround yourself with and hang out with, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not around the typical, I mean, sometimes I do have to deal with these like typical LA douchebags, like dudes. industry people, right? Of mm-hmm. course. Like I was just at Future album listening party last night and you know, it was some LA shit. It was just LA'd out like Hollywood, like, you know, just like everybody looking at each other, like, you know, it's five seconds into you meeting somebody, they're like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's just, you know, that stuff gets kind of old, but at the same token, man, it's like, there's this new sort of creative class of people in LA, man, that are just like, I think they're being pushed out of New York and out of places in the East Coast, honestly, just be, just on some like, you know. Oh, because the cost of living here is so high. Exactly. Yeah. It's so high, you know what I mean? And like, LA is so spread out and you can live in so many different places that you can still afford to live here. And like, you could have a normal job or you could, you know, have an, have, have, have something where you, you're in a roommate situation or whatever where you're like still able to live um, but still, you know, go after whatever creative endeavors and pursuits you have. New York, that is becoming much harder and harder and harder. And like the very sad and unfortunate truth is that if it keeps going in the direction that it is going in New York, the creative industry will be completely wiped out. And it will, you know, you, people who, who are sort of in the creative field, man, we are used to, you know, freelancing and like not getting steady income or you know uh uh just like having to having to you know so many of my friends are like you know live with roommates or all this stuff and when it's becoming too expensive to even do any of those things or just like live man and afford groceries and just barely get by when you're when you're in a situation where you can't even afford to like put food on your table for just you it's very hard to create art and to create like opportunities for yourself when you like you know you can't even get like the bare minimum of living done Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i would definitely say that you know after after a while i I would kind of tell myself that uh i'm i'm living a very minimal life uh because i have some other some other things that i'd like to pursue but then after a while you kind of look at the neighborhood you live in you look at other neighborhoods and it's like no 
I'm not minimizing my life. This is just this. This is just how living is for most people in New York City. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just check to check. It's it. It is. You don't really have a choice in the matter. It's just. Yeah. But but you know. But I think what's important, and, you know, and I can tell that you are. I mean, you just have to be built. You just have to be built for something. Yes. You know, and, and yes. if you, if it's not in your DNA, if you don't have that, you know that. that that ability to sacrifice things and to maybe go without the, the amenities of life, because this is how I sort of view things. I mean, have you ever found that when you were on in a situation where you were in the come up and you had disposable income, did that ever hurt you? Because maybe you could sort of lag and say, well, maybe I'll just go do this for a second. Did that hurt you in any way or? Yeah. You know what, dude, that's a, that's an incredible question. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, there was a time when I was uh, sort of like fresh out of college. I graduated Howard University in 2009, and um, I had two jobs. I was really on my hustle, and I was I had a, a web series at BET Digital. So I was like, I was doing stuff at BET, and I was also working at Capitol Records. So it was like I had, you know, but in New York, I mean, I was doing okay, let's say, for a 22-year-old kid. You know, I was doing all right. But at the same time, in my mind, I mean, I always keep my expenses low because, you know, you never know, like, what's going to happen. I've just never been, like, a ball-out kind of guy and just, mm-hmm. like, buy a lot of material things. That's never been my style. Um, and then at the same time, like, I get a lot of stuff for free, which is really cool. So, I mean, I, I work with a lot of clothing brands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would say... What I wasn't prepared for, man, with with that sort of disposable income, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for like anything changing. You know what I mean? I wasn't prepared for like, well, what happens when you leave this job, or what happens when like you stop working at BET, or what happens when? And my my sort of like entrepreneurial side hadn't really kicked in just yet, and you know, I think I was just thinking as an artist, and that. That is the thing that I sort of try to tell my artist friends because on for me it's like on the one side I'm a full fledged artist you know like I, I, my my main art is my filmmaking and like that's how I you know that's how I share my art with the world but as well you know doing my podcast you know interviewing people even having my party it's all an expression of art to me you know and it's mm-hmm. all like whether it's an experience that I'm creating for people or you know whether it's a conversation it's like these are expressions of art and when you're thinking like an artist a lot of times and this is how it should be right it is just about the art it is just about creating whatever art you're trying to create and this has to be as pure as possible and come from a place of yourself and your mind and you know you don't want to have that many outside influences taint the art and this, that, and the third. By by the way, if I could just stop you for one second. I I understand exactly what you mean when you say it is just about the art because what that means, of course, is that means that you sacrifice your own comfort and what's convenient to you, and that comes before that. The art comes before that as well. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I mean, I've been in situations where I'm like doing horribly but i'm like look if i just get this thing made it's like that's all this will change my life so but with that being said it's like when i was in that mind state in that zone what you don't think about is just like you don't let you don't think about revenue a lot of times and you don't think about like building opportunities for yourself that can sort of sustain 
your like I was saying earlier, like your life and your just like your day to day, your food, your bills, your mm-hmm. you know your light bill, your heat bill, your rent, like all of these things need to be paid, right? It's because like in order to create this art, you it's you know you 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 need equipment, you need tools, you need to be like feeding yourself. So like what I what I started to realize is that I needed. I needed like a, uh, I needed a job essentially. I needed like a platform, a business for me to do things that would generate revenue and generate income, um, while while allowing me to spend as much time on my art as I wanted to do. And so those things became, you know, my company Volume Visual. Those things became my party series. Those things became me doing more freelance work as a filmmaker that like people have no idea that I might do. You know, like people have no idea that I do some of the things that I do in terms of like, I don't put it out there, but I'm hired by companies. I'm hired by artists. I'm hired by record labels to like create content for other people's stuff because they like the way I tell stories or stuff like that, you know? So it's like, once I, once I got in that mind state and realized that, you know, I'm not bound to, to just doing one thing. And I also didn't want my art in terms of my films to be the sole source of revenue for myself you know what I mean I just didn't want that to be it um I thought that there were so many other things that I was interested in and so many other things that I was like you know able to provide value at and at the end of the day I I do think I'm I'm an entrepreneur as well at heart as much as I am an artist so you know um these are these are the things that you just learn and and you know it's 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 growing pains it's trial and error but uh but i know that when i was comfortable man i wasn't even thinking like that at all that kind of came out of a struggle and out of like you know necessity man and and i'm just very happy that i'm like not back in that struggle place right now but uh when you were comfortable your work ethic was what on a scale of one to ten compared to what it is now Oh, man, when I was comfortable, I mean, I was working hard, but it was like I was also just like, you know, trying to take girls out on dates here and there. You know what I mean? Like I was just running around the city with my boys, you know, just like having a good time. And you're being the cool guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just I was in the street, man. I was New York, you know, 22, 23 years old and, you know, just having a ball. But, you know, when I when I did hit that sort of like patch of struggle and when I when I got out of it, like what, what I realized was like, my mentor tells me like, you know, sometimes you got to embrace the struggle and you got to realize that this is just a learning experience. This is, this is a place that you're in temporarily, you know what I mean? And, and what happened is when I sort of got out of that, it was like, I never for, I will never forget what it's like to be at that point. You know what I mean? Like, and and so it's like it's weird it's like i go so i go harder than i've ever gone now that i'm like sort of not in the struggle anymore and not like you know wondering how i'm going to eat like because i know what that feeling is like though you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, I very much know what that feeling is like and like you know it's just a it's just a place that i never want to be at again so you know but but it's also a place that i needed to come from you know in order to get where where you're going now. Exactly, and, exactly, yeah. absolutely. So what would you say was the lowest point for you? Ooh. Um, there's been a few lows, man. Um, but the lowest point... I remember one of the lowest points for me was... Uh, 
was yeah i mean i've I've had a few like i've had a few at different stages but i mean one of the lowest points was uh when i graduated college uh i graduated college i had so many things going on i didn't know where i was going to work um but like i had just came back from france i went to the Cannes film festival uh and like you know i was like paid to go out there like everything was paid for and I'm like, you know, I had been to, like, that was like my third country or something I'd been to, like, before I graduated college. I had done a lot of traveling in college. And um, it's like right after college. And and at the time, I was, like, working on this sort of mixtape thing. And I had a song that came out with Nicki Minaj and Pusha T. And I was, like, uh, I was just doing all my interviews. And so many things were happening. And, like, the public, everybody was like, man, Jabari, what are you going to do? Are you going to go host 106 in Park? Are you going to go, like, be on TV? Are you going to go, like, I don't know. Like, I just can't wait to see what you do. And, like, none of those things that I was trying to do had panned out. And then at the time, uh, the girl I was with, my girlfriend, had sort of, like, she she had one year left to go in college, and I was staying at her house. And... She broke up with me and was like, yo, I, I, I can't have you. Like, I'm trying to graduate school, man. Like, you can't just be, like, sitting up in my crib, like, using up my Internet and, you know, like, trying to trying to make your little film. Using up my Internet. Stuff. It doesn't expire. But yeah, yeah. You know, but, I mean, really, it was just like I was just, I, I, you know, I wasn't shaving, man. I was just in the crib, like, sweatpants on, like, just like, you know, just on the grind, you know, like, on, on, on a real hustler's mission Mm -hmm. and um and you know sometimes like when when you when when people when people don't see it happen you know some saying it's like uh it's like like every 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 good idea was like bullshit like the day before it popped off you know what i mean like like until something pops off a lot of people are like why are you doing that, man? Like, why do you keep like putting these free videos out on YouTube? And like, why are you chasing down all these artists? And like, you want them, you want to do a documentary on these people? Like for what, what does that do? Like, you don't get paid off that. It's not putting money in your pocket, but like these people don't understand the big picture, right? They don't understand the goal. So like, you know, bless that girl's heart. she, She, I think she did get the big picture, but it was just like, it wasn't, it like my struggle wasn't like her struggle to be like part of you know what i mean and so like then i i had nowhere to go and i was like i told myself i never would like move back in with my parents and uh and i just had to like for two months i had to like sleep out in my dad's basement upstate new york and i was just in there and like you know i had no money to even get to the city to like really go and like do business and meet with people and stuff and i was just like upstate in westchester just in the basement just like literally cold and like what the hell is gonna go on and um and it was that was a really low point but then you know right after that man i had uh i had got the job at Capitol records and you know that job i worked there for two years and that job really like allowed me to understand how to operate inside of a corporate machine and inside of like and just how to like do things as simple as like pay people and like you know i because i was i was uh sort of doing all of the digital video at the label i would hire um you know dps and and um sort of like special effects guys and mm-hmm. all this stuff and i was handling a lot of money i had like budgets and all this stuff and i was just introduced to all this stuff at a young age so i was like within a corporation running like a very very small corporation so you know 
I say all that to say, man, it was like, even though that was a low point, it was like, I knew that that wouldn't last forever. And I, and anybody that's listening to this, when you are going through those low points, you do, you got to understand that these things are just lessons. You know what I mean? These things are just like, they're just points. They're just points in like, you just look at them as like a dot or like a little piece in a puzzle that is your life. And at the end of the day, you know, what they really serve as is like uh, great stories to tell, you know, and like great memories to have. Because once you're out of that situation, you know, you just look back and you'll be like, man, <laughs> that was that was just uh, another notch on the belt. In in your opinion, so that there is it, there is never a point where one should should walk away from it, where one should just say, well, you know what? Everything has gone too far. I'm in debt. Uh, it's 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 taking much longer than I thought that it would. Mm-hmm. There's never a point where one should just say, maybe I should try something different. Well, I wouldn't say that there's never a point, right? I mean, because the truth of the matter is that you know you have to you have to also like get feedback on what you're doing and put it out to people, like put it out to people you respect and put it out to people who are not just yes men, because like some things you might be doing might just not be good. It might not be, that might not be your calling. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's not every, you know, you try something and it's just, it's not for everyone. Right. So like, I'm just talking about the path that I have taken that, you know, that just happened to work for me. And luckily I was able to find that early, but like I went to school and studied advertising. You know what I mean? Like I thought I was going to make commercials and like be an advertising executive. Mm -hmm. Like that's when I got to school, I sort of realized that, nah, this isn't, this is not what I was meant to do. You know what I mean? And like, I kind of had always had this like musical past from a young age and I knew I wanted to be in like some type of entertainment, but like, you you know, rap, I did, man. There's some mm-hmm. stuff that you could still you could still find online, bro. Like I've I've been on the internet for a long time, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's some stuff from like, man, early 2000s that uh, that's still floating around on. Um, I may or may not ask you to uh, spit a few <laughs> bars at one point. Oh no, it's done. I'm done. I'm like I'm definitely <laughs> done with the with the bar spitting. Um, but yeah, I used to uh, I used to rap, but then I, I started managing a rap group in, in high school, so. So tell me something. Out of all the interviews that you've done over the years, um, which was the most organic um, situation that you found yourself in with an artist? Oh, for sure, Macklemore. I mean, Macklemore, you know, I I had known him for so long. I had known him for, like, probably two and a half, three years before we even shot the Jabari Presents doc, before we did the, you know... Um, the film, I mean, I, he, I told him, I was like, Hey man, look, I'm going to do this, 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 uh, documentary series. I'd love to have you on it. And he was like, all right, well, you can come to Lollapalooza or you can come to, uh, my hometown, Seattle, when I'm, uh, going to be out there shooting my music video. And I had no idea what music video was for, you know? So, uh, I was like, I'd rather do it in Seattle. Let's go out there and do it. It's a little song. Maybe some people have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like, uh, so at the time, I hadn't hadn't heard anything. I just go, I meet them at the set, and um, I had literally, we got off the plane, and we, like, set up the cameras, and he's like, Ryan, like, 
go play Jabari some of the some of the records. And the first one he played me was uh, he played me um, uh, White Walls with Schoolboy Q and uh, and my mm. friend Hollis. And I was like, oh, this is smash. And then he played Thrift Shop, and I'm like, uh, this is all right. And he was like, yeah, this is the video we're shooting. And I was like, oh, okay, this is okay, it's cool. <laughs> and um and yeah man i mean nobody knew that that joint was just gonna blow like it did i mean i am literally the only person with like behind the scenes documentary footage i mean there's another like, there's like people with like cell phone stuff but like yeah i'm the only person that was on the set of the thrift shop video shooting any behind the scenes um and yeah i mean you know it's just it was it was such an organic thing because like i had i had been I thought I was late on Macklemore's music, you know, like I got into uh, the Versus EP, like when it had dropped and, uh, and, you know, I, I had some friends from Seattle, um, just at Howard and, uh, and I, I just was like, I was super late on Macklemore and I was like, when I had hit him up, I think I might've hit him up on MySpace or something and he was in New York and I was like, yo man, let's do an interview and I still have footage. I have like, I have footage of him and Ryan that I've never released, like stuff that I've just... I'm just like sitting on um really like old gems uh and you know it was just super cool man you know I mean these guys they opened up their their house to me you know like I mean the whole city of Seattle was just like really welcoming with like open arms we were shooting in all kinds of thrift stores and goodwills and you know all this stuff man and it was like I made a lot of really cool friends from that shoot and you know people that I'm really tight with and stay in touch with like Hollis to this day who was on my podcast recently um but yeah I think that whole experience was definitely uh probably I would say like one of my most organic and and memorable shoots so okay on the flip side of that most organic to to most so I guess awkward I guess oh yeah just felt very contrived and it just didn't flow very well um I would say uh, one, probably... Please say Justin Bieber. Please say Justin no, Bieber. No. That's what they want to hear. That's what they want to hear, Jamar. <laughs> it definitely was. Justin was cool, <laughs> man. He's a cool... At the time, he was a cool kid. I, I mean, I haven't spoken to him in years. But um, but honestly, man, one of the most like sort of awkward and just weird predicaments that I've ever been in was with Max B. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And like, uh, if you just Free Google Max B. Like, Jabari Max B on YouTube, like... It's pretty legendary. It's crazy. I mean, he had me. I mean, I was young, man. I didn't know what was going on. Like, I mean, like, like, just all over New York, all over Uptown, like, just running up in corner stores with wads of cash, man. I mean, like, mm. I mean, like Max would pull out like ten thousand dollars from his pocket and like pay for well, it. I mean I I believe you because everything that I ever saw on any DVD it was always Max just you know coming outside of a car <laughs> showing you the money that he had yeah, he would it was just nuts man and I was just like what is going on with this guy and I mean but at the on the flip side man he's like one of the coolest dudes you know like shout out to Max P um and uh yeah it was just it was just like crazy and like wild it was just a wild night you know like just imagine a night with max b uptown it's just it's mm-hmm. just crazy yeah so that was that was like another just really really nuts one 
you spoke before about uh, the footage with uh, with with Macklemore and with Ryan Lewis. I would imagine that when recording a documentary, just probably the most strenuous thing is is just the hours and hours of of uh, a footage that you have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, when I did, you know, Macklemore and Ryan, we shot with them for about a week. So I can't remember how much, how many hours we had, but uh, it was a lot to, to whittle that down to like a 15-minute short. But um, when I did a documentary on Tiny Tempa, uh, I went out to the U.K. about a year, two years ago, and I shot a film on Tiny becoming the first British hip-hop artist to ever sell out a U.K. arena tour. And mm-hmm. um, that was called Discovering Destiny. And, uh, and man, that we had 60 hours of footage, you know, it was like a month long tour. The UK is pretty small, so it's not, well, we were, I would say we were out there for maybe a month, but, uh, but, uh, a little under a month, but yeah, the, the, I mean, we, that film took like, took me like me and my, my boy, Ron Brody, man, shout out to him, my editor. He, uh, he, I would say it took us like six months to really cut that film. And when you're making docs, the, sto- the 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 real story and you know the real directing honestly is you know if you ask any documentary filmmaker it's all in the edit that's really where uh, you know you pull out the the meat of whatever it is that you're creating so um, yeah man that took a very very long time to uh, to edit that one and I mean but it was one of those things where like once it's done you know you're it's like you just look back and you're like damn I did that. Mm-hmm. As far as far as filmmaking, who were were some of your influences uh, with the filmmaking? Um, well, on the doc side, man, I'm I'm a real huge fan of like uh, of looking at things with contemporary culture, like looking at things that are within contemporary culture, and and um, sort of telling these stories that we're living through right now. I really love doing that. Um, you know, I haven't really done anything that, like, was, like, talking about the past or, you know, you like, you watch a film, like, you know, uh, 20 Feet from Stardom or something like that. And it's just, like, this is... What's that one about? Uh, that's that's a film on, like, uh, it was just nominated for... I think it won the Oscar, actually, for Best Doc this year. And it was it was about uh, the, um, the backgrounds. Like, it was, like, ab- about four different background singers or something like that. I haven't seen the film. I've just... Uh, I okay. just watched um, the trailer and stuff, but like you know, something like that is more so about like the past, and, and a lot of people sort of think of documentaries as like you know stories about the past. But um, but so a filmmaker that I really enjoy is Morgan Spurlock because he he talks about these things that are like going on within contemporary culture. You know, whether it's like Super Size Me. Or whether it's like something like his like most recent film is called Mansum, which is about like uh, it's a it's a film about ma- male grooming. Um, or Michael Moore, you know, Michael Moore was somebody that I always. I mean, a lot of his stuff is politically slanted and skewed, but mm-hmm. I just loved the fact that it was about stuff that we were going through right now in culture. You know what I mean? So yeah, those are the those are the sort of like documentarians that I. That I've watched pretty much all of their work and 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 followed their stuff, but um, but in terms of just film in general, um, definitely a big Spike fan. Um, some of some of the stuff that I like from Spike Lee is like uh, the early stuff. Like I mean, I really like She's Gotta Have It, and you know, um, 
I like Kirkland and um, do the right thing. Do the right thing, of course. Um, you know, I recently saw Red Hook Summer just the other day. Did you see that? I did. I didn't really like Red Hook Summer. Nah, I didn't like it either, but I did think it was interesting that Mookie was still delivering pizzas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> I hope he owns a pizza shop at this point. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, right? Yeah, hopefully for Mookie's sake. <laughs> yeah. You found that out. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, with with documentaries, you know, when I was younger, I would always think of them as just like really just like a chore. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And, and, and you know, especially with you know, with documentaries like Morgan Spurlock's. Uh, uh, another one that I saw was um, uh, uh, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead. Oh yeah, Joe which, Cross, incredible. Right. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Which film. I enjoyed. That film which changed I my life. Enjoyed thir- what was that? That film changed my life, man. I mean, I, I'm a like I juice all the time now. So okay, yeah. So I mean, let, let's let's paint this. Um, uh, I mean, explain a bit of, of what the documentary is about. Well, so Fast Sick and Nearly Dead is about this guy Joe Cross, who was sort of like on the brink of uh, heart failure or heart disease, um, and he just wanted to really change his life, and he did that through juicing and exercise, um, and just just changing his his eating habits and, and his lifestyle and mentality, and. Uh, and it was just it was incredible because the film was going one way and then like it when he met that other guy and then the film like Phil yeah Phil and then like the film started really being about Phil it was just like whoa like man that is one of my top five docs I'd say of all time man you know like it was incredible yeah it's such a good it's such a good film such a good film I mean and that's what I think you know I think we have to sort of as documentarians and people who are creating you know movies about real life you know um i think we have to sort of like rebrand like what a document document eh, documentary is you know what i mean like i i think that people it shouldn't be a chore you know what i mean like it shouldn't be like like people all the time like when i say i make documentaries right people would be like oh i love watching documentaries you know what I mean? or like i love learning from documentaries or I love, and it's just like it, it automatically puts it as like you know, like, oh, like, I watch documentaries here and there. It's just, like, people don't think of them as films. Like, this is these are all films. You know, we're watching films. And, you know, I just think that it, it as a creator of this type of film, I, I, I want to do stuff that, like, breaks the mold and, like, hits pop culture. And, like, if it doesn't, cool, fine. But, like, I just want, you know, like, this next generation and, kids and people just whoever watching this stuff to be like you know they just sit back and they say that was a good movie you know what i mean that was a good piece of art it wasn't like even though yeah i might have learned something or i might have you know it is a real life story it's like you know this is this you know i don't i hate how like documentaries get discredited in the film world and like you know we don't get as big of budgets and that's because that's because we don't make as much money you know what i mean like docs don't i mean there's there's one or two docs at each year that like you know really break the mold. It's like when you when you talk about a doc getting a million dollar like a million to like three million dollars, that's like a big budget. in In the narrative film in the, world, in the, that's nothing. It's like that's nothing. That's like <laughs> that's like a shoestring budget. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like nothing to make to make a movie with. So you know, I mean, I, I one of my biggest goals is to sort of like you know help push that forward within you know within the film industry within culture and i think that the way 
I'm going to hopefully do that is by uh, is by creating docs that really speak to contemporary culture and like shed light on sort of big ideas. Um, and so, like I said, that kind of goes full circle with what my next film is about. So if you're listening, stay tuned because I'll be releasing the info very soon. Stay tuned. You know, I, I have this thought, this reoccurring thought sometimes that if, if, if you're in the creative field and say, for example, if you're, you're an aspiring rapper, you're, you're, you're an aspiring documentarian, you're an inspiring, you know, whatever, there is a point where watching other, other people's material, it, 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 it gets to that point where you've surpassed the I'm doing research or I'm just soaking it all up. When does that turn into procrastination? What, mm. when does, if you're a documentarian, when does sitting down and watching way too many documentaries yeah, turn yeah. into, you know, you know, you're just being lazy? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's when you just are not creating, right? So it's like, it's like people, people say, like, well, how do I start or how do I, how do I do it? Just do it. Pick up a camera, man. Like, interview somebody. You know, that's the, that's the thing is, like, if you're just talking about doing something, then that's what you're doing. You're just talking about doing something. When you're doing something, you don't really have the time to be talking about doing something. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're in it. You're living it. You're eating, breathing, sleeping it. You know, it's like that is, you know, I watch a lot of docs. I watch a ton of docs. But, like, I'm doing so much of my own stuff. It's like I don't get to catch everyone. I don't get to watch everything because I have a lot going on on my plate. So it's like, you know, yeah, you, you if if you're just watching stuff and just like you know you can sit at the water cooler and talk about everything man that's great and it's good to be cultured and it's good to know what's going on within any industry that you're in right for sure you should know what's going on but Mm -hmm. you know if you're not producing somebody else is and like you're just going to be continuing to talk about it and you know that like talking about it doesn't doesn't do anything unless you're a critic and you know if if, like if you want to go down that that road that's like that becomes like you know, a, a whole nother path than the path of mm-hmm. the artist or the creator or whatever. Now, one of my favorite docs of all time is um, uh, King of Kongs. Uh, King of Kongs. I haven't seen that. Yeah. It, it, well, King of Kongs was great to me. And the reason why I liked it so much was beforehand, it introduced me to a world that otherwise I would have never given a shit about. Okay. And I would what is have it never. About? Uh, King of Kongs is about a um, an annual competition, and it's based on Donkey Kong. Oh, wow. So it's an arcade competition, and the characters in it just pull you in. I mean, through the first half of the movie, you know, you're with the protagonist, and halfway you meet such a fascinating individual that you're, you're locked in because that individual is the villain. And it's such a trivial world that you're watching, but it means so much to them. And in the middle of this thing, I just couldn't believe how interested I was. Wow. You know, so say, for example, if I was watching, uh, what was the name of the one that, um, that Ice Cube made? Sorry, Ice-T. Oh, yeah, the, uh, Art, the Art of Rap. The Art of Rap, right. Yeah. So if I enjoyed the Art of Rap, I'm not really surprised. I'm a fan of hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. naturally engages me. But arcades, yeah. I, I don't even play video games. So, so when this locked me in, I know it was... It, it, it was just it was just amazing to me, uh, especially what everything that you know that happened at the end. Wow. Um, I'm gonna check it out, man, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Another it's, one it's that's, that that just good. came out too recently. Um, uh, it was like a 
think uh, this was like a, 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 a Netflix original. It was called um, The Short Game, and it's about mm. um, it's about like this tournament, this golf tournament where, uh, where kids, it's like the best kid golfers in the world. And uh, again, it's like you know, like you said, something I, I had no real interest in. I'm not, I don't really, I'm not really a big sports guy, and I don't uh, definitely don't watch golf nor play golf. Mm. Um, but man, this doc had me so locked in, dude. I was like, "What? Like this is?" It was like all these kids just like, oh, man, their parents were so involved into like their success at this sport, and like there was just so much money involved with these tournaments, and like it's just a real big thing. But it was awesome to see like how good these kids were at you know their sport and like how young they were so yeah uh, i was that was one of my favorite docs of last year what was the name of that one again the short game the short game yep. okay and i really the- i like uh that filmmaker his name is um oh, i forget this guy's name but he also does uh there's a hulu show that's really good about um mascots and it's like a docu-series on hulu called uh, behind the mask um, I think his name is Josh. Something. Wow! But uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Behind it's the amazing. Mask. Oh man, it's <laughs> definitely one of my favorite shows of, of this past year. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's just a, a doc series about like the lives of um, different mascots on different levels. So one at mm. a high school level, one at the collegiate level, uh, semi-pro, and then the professional level. But man, just like connecting with with the stories and. Uh, and 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 really just you know the the tales of the human experience like it was it you you don't think that you know these stories of mascots are going to pull you in as as much as they do but man a few episodes in you're like you're hooked so that's something i'd suggest too it's on hulu Mm, the life of a the life of a mascot. These are uh, uh, what is this NBA, NFL, yeah, so, college? Uh, yeah, the 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 college level. It was um, they followed the mascot at UNLV, um, and then at the uh, at the collegiate level. Oh, no, I'm sorry. At the uh, at the professional, professional level, they they followed the mascot at uh, who was the mascot for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, mm. And then on the high school, it was a high school in Pennsylvania and semi-pro. I forget what uh, what team it was, but it was a it was a hockey uh, mascot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So that almost seems to be the that almost seems to be the intrigue of a documentary is somebody presents what the story is about, and it's sort of like watch how they pull you in like i dare you to pull me into documentary about beekeeping <laughs> yeah and, exactly and somehow make it happen exactly, and, exactly. and it's just going to be amazing while i'm watching yeah yeah but you know that's the thing man i mean a lot of filmmakers would probably tell you this man is like we're all you know we're all very we're all much more similar than we are different man and that's one thing that you learn through shooting people uh Especially when you're shooting docs, man. You know, you uh, the whole thing is right connecting with your audience. Like, how do we connect with the audience? And a lot of times, that's hitting on those, you know, basic human emotional instincts, right? Like love, fear, happiness, you know, family, things like that. These are these are things that everybody, no matter what race you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what your background is, you know, these are all things that we can connect to. Yeah. In the middle of the creative process, I mean, I know that um, I know that we all tend to get a bit dry. And, you know, I've I've always felt that 
when that happens in the past, I would try as hard as I could to apply myself and to and and to get it done. But somewhere along the line, you know, I'm you sort of start to look at what you're doing as just a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. And you know what they say when you think of things in in Buddhistic thinking, they say, you know, if you don't want to meditate, don't meditate. Yeah. Don't don't force the issue. Yeah. And yeah, a lot yeah. of times I've found that that's that's probably the best solution when you are faced with those times where, you know, you're in front of your computer and you got nothing. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Um, I like to I like to take a break. I like to uh, I like to I also like to I kind of have like a, a wide net of sort of like other people whose creative opinions and voices I uh, I really respect. And, you know, those are friends, those are colleagues, those are some people who I work with. It's like I like to I like to get their opinions on things as well. It's sort of like, you know, those I take them sort of with a grain of salt. But since I really respect these people's stuff, I like sort of like build this amalgamation of everybody's thoughts and, you know, put it into mine and then really see like okay how does this align with what i'm trying to do but um but if it's like just some like solo create creative funk that i'm in i try to like take a jog you know or like you know just do something that is completely not having to do with whatever it is that i'm creating you know what i mean like like, but what they what they normally tell you is that you have to obsess over it. You have yeah. to like enamor yourself with it, and a lot of times it just it doesn't work. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't, man. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. And you're just like, you know, like I'm working on this promo video for uh, for my for my party, and I'm just really stuck at like what this thing needs. And I just I just stepped away from it, man. I was just like, look, I'm not dealing with this for like the next two weeks, and. Uh, and yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows if it will ever be like good enough to put out? But like, you know, that and that's the reality. Sometimes, like, sometimes you just have stuff in the stash, man. That's just like, it might not. It might not be ready. It might not be its time. Mm. Well, well, that's when that question comes in. I mean, the, when you when you finish something, and the question is, um, you know, is it ready for public consumption? Uh, do I really care? Is it, am I making this for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- what is I mean, what is your thought process when it comes to that? If you've ever put something out that you know didn't necessarily get a great reception, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, did you yeah. kind of just shrug your shoulders and say, "Well, you know what? Th- this was kind of a, a, a passion project. I don't give a fuck." So, yeah, I mean, nah, I mean, everything that you want, everything that you put out, you're just like, "Oh, this is it." You know what I mean? I think everything that I put out is going to get a great response, and everything is going to be because at the time, it's like, "Yeah, this is it" in my mind, but like. I work and I operate very like sporadically, you know what I mean? And I I'm I, I'm I go off of like impulse. I go off of like you know, reasoning and like and and some type of strategy, but at the same time like I could easily do something very impulsive and just put it out. So, so you know, some and that could be from like an Instagram photo at the very basic level to like a web series or you know, something like so you know, if it but if it doesn't get the response that you want or if it doesn't it's just like whatever man it's like that thing was burning inside you and you wanted people to see it so like at the end of the day the response doesn't matter you know what i mean like sure you want it to be good but it's like 
it's not as long as it doesn't stop you from doing the next thing because what you can't let happen is like something you put out and it doesn't get a good response and then that and then you just dwell on that and you're like oh well that wasn't good enough so you know mm-hmm. i don't need to oh, this other idea i have is probably shit too you know you can't you can't let that stuff happen you just are like oh okay well that didn't go well maybe this next thing will and i'm just going to keep creating and keep putting it out there now how do you how do you think in terms of um how do you think in terms of the, the the moment when you're doing something and how far ahead do you think into the uh, the, the future? Like how far ahead yeah. do you do you plan things out? You, you don't seem to me like the type that plans things out by like years. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like it's a weekly. It seems like it's a maybe a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Am, am I wrong about that? No, that's you know, that's a great question. D. Um, I think that it's funny that it, it doesn't seem like that because I'm sure it doesn't. But like it's actually the, the contrary, man. Like I. Uh, I sort of know what I want these things to do for me in the future, right? So I'm like, and and a buddy of mine told me this. He's like, you know, like when you start something, ask where do you want it to end, you know? And so that's how I sort of look at a lot of my stuff. It's like when I did the tiny film, I knew that was going to allow me to sort of prove to my to whoever was going to finance the next film that like I could do it even though I had no money to do a tiny film like we did it on a very very shoestring budget you know it was like I knew that this was going to allow me to make my next big project so you know even with you know when it comes down to like the web series or the parties and all that stuff it's like there is an end goal with all of that stuff um and I definitely think about them from sort of like a macro perspective, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think when you when you do think about things like that, um, it it allows you to have better goals, right? And then you can sort of see where your goals are if you're reaching your goals or if you're missing your goals. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. you're if, if these things are aligning up how you wanted them. And then you can sort of navigate like, okay, well this is what I need to be doing. You know what I mean? And this is what I this is this is how to make this thing successful. You know, I'm also a lot of people really don't know this, but like I'm a huge stickler on data and like uh and, and using analytics and all types of data to sort of determine on how to make whatever I'm creating better. Um and and sort of using the and and that's like especially when it comes to the parties that I throw and like the the people who I market to. It's like I try to collect a lot of data so I can better uh, better better fit. Um, you know whether whether that's a, a new product, whether that's merch, whether that's like where I need to be doing these events more at. You know all of that stuff is like a lot of times it's in the data and it's like you know it, that's just. That comes with growth as as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, is like understanding that uh, that you know to take your company and your 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 product to the next level. You know you you have to you have to be like thinking about ROI. You have to be thinking about you know engagement. Oh, I, de- I definitely believe in ROI. Yeah, man. You know these yeah. are these are things that you know it's it it's it's so real and it's uh, it becomes. A lot more of that, you know, when you're trying to scale things. Um, 
So all of those things are super important, man. But at the end of the day, nothing is as important as whatever it is that you're creating and the art and the experience and, and, you know, the passion behind it. But all of those things that we're talking about, you know, those can really help grow uh, whatever whatever business it is that you're in, especially if you're somebody that's like doing a lot of work on an individual level, um, mm-hmm. you know. But that's that's sort of how I operate. Is I, I'm I have a team and I have people that I work with, but I sort of treat myself and all the the things that I do and all of my endeavors as a corporation, and I try to think of of uh, of growth and scale like a corporation would. So it's from a, it's on a very smaller scale, but it's still uh, still important to be thinking about. Okay. So, I mean, at the end of the day with these documentaries, with the podcast, I, I guess we could all agree that, that, that what you're trying to, to do here is you're just trying to, to, to step out of the way and just inspire somebody to do the same. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, you know what it is? It's just like all I'm trying to do is sort of like lift the veil over mm-hmm. somebody's eyes, man, because I think that the way that this country especially is set up uh, is that it's it's not set up for you to be doing what you want to be doing or for you to be doing what you're even good at, for that matter. It's set up for you to, you know, go to school, get a job, like raise a family, have a 401k. We'll do all, to pay taxes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Pay taxes. It's like it's not set up for you to be like pursuing art. Or for you to be, you know, contributing what, whatever it is that you're good at and whatever it is that you're passionate about, like, it's set up for you to survive. You know what I mean? And that is what I'm trying to, you know, let people know and understand that life and really what makes you happy is it's about doing the things that you love. And it's about doing those things with the people that you love. And you know, and essentially like spreading love and like, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of that starts with self-love. I think a lot of that starts with understanding yourself and understanding like how much value, uh, how much you value yourself and how much you bring to the table and how, what type of life you want to live. But, you know, once you understand that, you understand that, man, everybody should be living like this. Everybody should be happy. Not just me, you know, like everybody should be doing the things that they want to do and and sharing whatever you know talents they have with the world whether that's like baking bread or whether that's making movies you know what i mean whatever it is it's like you should be you should be i mean that all of our time here is super limited so why why be wasting it doing things that we hate and going to jobs that we don't like and like you know living living these lives that like are just no fun fuck that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the quotable. Living these lives that are no fun. Fuck that. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, M- Mr. Johnson, uh, tell these people where they can find. You. Oh man, you guys can find me. Uh, you can watch all of my film stuff at YouTube.com/slash Jabari. So I encourage you to check out the uh, the Macklemore documentary that's on there, as well as the Tiny Temper documentary and any other stuff. You can even go all the way back to like some of the first interviews I did with Clips and Asher Roth and all these other people. Um, and then you can listen to the Words with Friends podcast for sure. Uh, you can search it in the iTunes store. Um, just search. Links in the description below. Yes, links will be in the description. Thank you for that, D. And, uh, and it's on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Jabari. And just Words with Friends uh, in the podcast section of iTunes as well. And if you're in New York or L.A., 
please, please, please come out to my party. It's such a good time. There's no VIP. Everybody is everybody. Um, you definitely will see some, like, celebs in there just, like, partying with everybody and, like, there's no bottle service and all that. Whoop-de-woo. It's just a good time, good music, good people. And that's uh, the first weekend of every month in Los Angeles and the last weekend of every month in New York. It's called Colors, and you can go to mycolorsparty.com uh, to find out about that and uh, get on the email list and all that jazz. And then on Instagram, it's just at Jabari. Every social network is just at Jabari. So Twitter, at Jabari. Instagram, at Jabari. YouTube, slash Jabari. So, simple. Jabari Johnson, everybody.